0: Celtic Stuff Live. Celtic Stuff Live on CLNS Media, the online home for all things Boston sports and especially the Boston Celtics. I'm your host, Justin Poole, and joining me, John Duke. I'm in parts unknown, John. I know you love to say that. Traveling, but we are recording. We're getting much, much closer to the NBA draft, really just about a week and a half away. Uh, we'll have a show next Sunday. Then we'll be recording, or not recording, we'll be broadcasting live on draft night. Details to be announced. Obviously, we're going to try to line up some guests. And the finals wasn't looking real good for Cleveland and LeBron, but that's really was the case last year. I think Kevin Durant was brought in to make sure that they don't surrender Yet another three-zero lead to the Cleveland Cavaliers and LeBron James dominating. LeBron's been great, John, and I know we're going to talk about Fultz and the draft and the rumors about Sacramento trying to get him in for a workout. We'll get to all those things, but by the time we talk again next Sunday, you got to think that the NBA Finals are going to be all wrapped up.
1: I got to think so. I mean, look, I I think you and I were in, in league on where this series was going to go. Uh, I had a lot of friends who were, probably were a little bit more optimistic about Cleveland. I think that what we've seen, though, and and prepare to be, for the, you to sound like an idiot, but I think what we've seen is that Cleveland, as good as they were against the Celtics, they gave way too many opportunities for the Celtics to make shots, and they're just not good enough at making shots. And when you could put that in the hands of Kevin Durant, Clay Thompson, Steph Curry, Forget about it. You know, it's all done. Bada bing, bada boom. I'm saying this on the decade anniversary of the end of The Sopranos. Did you, you see the theme there? So just bada bing, that bada boom. No if,
0: doubt. It's funny. I talked about and the, the Sopranos today with a buddy a of mine because we were listening to old school 80s over the weekend. He had his bachelor party. He came down to visit me in Pennsylvania. He's a lifelong Mainer, as are you, and I was until about eight or nine years ago. He comes down and we're listening to old school 80's music and what do we listen to but Journey and so I did not know that nice fact about the Sopranos but we immediately go this makes me
1: think of the last episode of the Sopranos which is hilarious I want some onion rings and I'm a lot better a much better parallel parker than Meadow Soprano I just want that to be <laughs> very clear there. Uh, <laughs> anyway anyway, we got way off topic, way off topic. look Cavs are good Cavs are a good team Um, We talked a lot With Ryan Bernardoni On our last show About the future And what is it You know Where are things headed And you know There's a very A bleak somewhat bleak future In the the very near future um, Looking at where The the Golden State Warriors are But I think this week Is a great signal To show how fickle The future can be As an NBA mistress And you know You want to go back To the 86 Celtics Let's go back to the 93 Bulls. You know, let's go back to the 0- 08 Celtics or the 03 Lakers. All these teams seemed like they could run this for years and years and years. And yet, over and over and over again, we see situations where teams fall apart for a number of reasons, whether it's injuries or Len you know, bias is untimely passing or you know, Shaq and Kobe decide they hate each other. I mean, I think it's Camp Kumbaya over there in, on, on the Bay in Oakland. But let's be honest – Anything could happen, and the luxury repeater tax is going to be a real problem for them to keep Clay, and we saw that, and that's going to come down the pike in a couple of years. It's not next year. It's not immediate, but we also saw this week some some word about maybe, maybe there's a chance that LeBron's looking elsewhere, so the future in the Eastern Conference might be a tad brighter than what we thought even seven days ago. Is it a small shot? Maybe, but I think there is a bit more optimism than perhaps we we laid out on the table for you in our last show last weekend. Well, and
0: it's also another sort of don't give up all your chips and go full rebuild yet, but also don't mortgage right. what the rebuild provides as an opportunity downline as well. So it, I, I I do see that at some point you sort of have to roll with the young guys, but as far as you can delay that, and hold on to players that have serious value. I I mean, obviously, Isaiah Thomas is the big one, right? That's, That's the one we all have our eyes on. But as we look at this draft, the idea of going all in, I still wouldn't do that because, like you said, while things can change very quickly, the odds are that it's going to be a tough path to a championship in the next two to three years. One other thing, though, maybe not as bleak, like you said, but what if, and this is the last show we'll be able to really talk about this, I think, but what if Cleveland came back yet again for the second year in a row, despite oh. the fact that Kevin Durant was brought in to make sure that that doesn't happen? Now, believe me, I've, I've got less than 1% odds on this. It's really just kind of a entertaining a what-if scenario because if Golden State gets this championship like it really looks like they will, you'll never have this conversation again. They get this championship, it's done. They've achieved the goal. They're happy to have Kevin Durant. Maybe they get challenged a little bit along the way, but until they wind up dealing with salary cap issues, it's really a non-factor, right? So the conversation really can't be had again. Do you think Kevin Durant will get out of town if that were to happen? Oh, oh, man.
1: (laughs) I don't know what it is that Kevin Durant, for you, just brings out. Uh, I don't know what it, it is. Raises, it, you, it, it. Things go to a whole new level when you bring up Kevin Durant. You've, he ruined my 4th of is, July man. weekend. I don't
0: know how many times I have to tell you that. Right? Like Al Horford was like, 4th of July rules! Right? And then Kevin Durant <laughs> does his thing, and I'm like, I freaking hate this holiday now. And it's my parents' anniversary, so, you know, that that <gasps> it's, just, it's, it's salt in the wound every time we talk about this guy. I, no, but seriously, I, I, do you think he would leave? <laughs> He, I mean he's, he has the option to opt out. I think he's happy there. I think you're right about the Kumbaya but that's yeah, a lot to yeah. face and certainly they think they would get it next year uh, but but that's that's a boy that's a storyline that's hard to hard to come back from in, in uh,
1: you know for, for the warriors. I think before last year I would say you're probably I, I would find it hard to believe that that would happen. But just in how quickly the emotion swung from the Warriors being down 3-1 to the, to the Thunder, and then turning that around, and then the same happened with the Warriors and the Cavs just two or three weeks later. I think the fact that that sort of thing went down, there's no telling what could be possible. I mean, anything could happen at that point. I don't think it's likely, you know, but. That's Highly the, unlikely. The same, like, it's, it's the same the same almost sort of not worth wisdom. talking about. It, it is highly you, unlikely. But yeah, but it's the same sort of conventional wisdom that brought you the oh, Durant's definitely going to come back, and he's definitely going to he can get more money and blah blah blah. Like yeah, where did that conventional wisdom go? Right out the freaking window on July four, right? I mean, dude, it, it was things happened. Pre- three, we were. Ta- mm-hmm. I had a good chat with a friend of mine about. Uh, we were just we were playing off the whole. This is the thirtieth anniversary of. Um, or 31st anniversary of Ferris Bueller's day off being in theaters, being released in theaters. And we're, we're doing lines back and forth. And it's, it's the Ferris line, you know. Ferris, you know, life moves pretty fast sometimes, right? <laughs> if you don't stop and look around once in a while, you just might miss it. And like, we gotta stop around and look at like, things, things happen really fast in the NBA nowadays. Things change on, on a, on a, on a dime. And it's even you know what seemed like a short spell for the for the KG Celtics. That's a long spell when you go back and look at what happened with the the LeBron Heat or the LeBron Cavs when when they're in contention. And now who knows with the LeBron Cavs in phase two? It just seems like the window is shorter and shorter and shorter for these teams. Could it, could it be? Could it be that Durant would look? I can't imagine it. But he's got to feel good about what's going on in Boston, too. I mean, that is such a, a positive experience. Imagine what those Eastern Conference finals would have looked like with Kevin Durant on the Celtics sideline and, and not. And um, a healthy Isaiah you
0: know. because of the fact exactly. that he wouldn't have had to have all that wear and tear shouldering the scoring load all season long. Don't think for a second. I mean, I'm sure maybe, maybe you're gonna, maybe they'll say it's a fluke injury. What happened with the hip? But let's just look at the minutes and what he was doing in the fourth quarter of every single game. The fact that he was the one that had to carry the scoring load. He could never take a night off or reduced minutes. That stuff adds up and it finally caught up to him in the postseason when you're going extra specially hard. So yeah, absolutely. That, that Eastern Conference Finals I think would have looked way different with Kevin Durant and Green. And I think I told you last year I wouldn't I I wouldn't even consider welcoming him after that decision. But you know, if you're telling me I have to choose between Gordon Hayward and Kevin
1: Durant, come on. <laughs> well, it, I don't know. I mean do you, it it's it, do you want to go be with somebody who's going to just turn around and leave you at the altar? I love you. I love I how it, you flip the script. You know, I mean, I don't know. I mean, that's I, – I, yes, it, it, 100 times on, out of 100 times you, you take Kevin Durant, but you know what I'm saying. Like, I do. That is – that's, you know.
0: That's the argument for why he's not going to leave Golden State regardless of the uh, unlikely outcome that they might yeah. drop for the second year in a row a three zero series lead. Extremely unlikely. But let's talk a little bit about Gordon Hayward then. It's a nice, simple transition here.
1: Oui.
0: I know. Like, literally right before we start recording, a nice little nugget. We, we dig a little bit this time of year, right up until – I mean, maybe That's not right. normally, but the fact that there's the number one overall pick, unless there's a rumor to be moving that pick – And we'll get to Markel Fultz in a minute and his visit to the Celtics. But very likely Markel Fultz is going to be a Celtic. So let's talk about Gordon Hayward a little bit. And it is not lost on me before we move on. The fact that even though you told Sam Sheehan that he's kind of the the one that keeps us connected to pop culture, you've already referenced in less than 10 minutes the Sopranos and Ferris Bueller's day off with – nuggets of release dates and the end of the series like that's i'm just gonna say john you're i think you since since sam was on the show two weeks ago i think you've decided to up your game
1: i've up my game i've uh yeah you know i'm i'm, I'm nervous i feel like i feel like i got bobby manning warming up in the bullpen on me here you know i gotta be ready <laughs> You know, we get Sam Sheehan, uh, you know, doing some part, some good work there in AAA. You know, he's got a pseudonym and everything. It's, it's a hard work to stay here in the, in the the high paying world of podcast hosting. But, you know, here we are. So (laughs) it it doesn't matter how many years you've been in the game, man. You gotta, you gotta work hard to stay on top. (laughs) I like it. You're, you're still way ahead of me. So if anybody's
0: getting caught, you know, you're, you're, you're Uh, already outpacing me. Bobby's the one breathing on breathing on my neck. Bobby, That's what's going on. Bobby, Let's be real. Bobby and
1: Sam are going to Bobby and Sam are going to be taking over Celtics stuff live. We're going to there's going to be a KG trade. You and I are going to go out to the Brooklyn stuff Brooklyn Nets stuff live and it's uh they'll get three number 1s and it's going to be terrible. Next to the us all and we will
0: sign Vin Baker too and try to figure out how to get out of his contract. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Good old man.
0: Hey, oh, all right. So, wow. what's the juice on Gordon Hayward? Let's let's dive into this all a right. little bit because you bare, you gave me a very little briefer right before we start the show. So let's do it.
1: Yeah. So here's the deal, right? So anybody who's been following me on Twitter for the last you know year, I'm a bit of I've gotten a little, and especially this season, I've gotten a little nutty on the Hayward love. Okay, it's it's not right. I'm starting to grow my hair out so I can do the hair thing like he's got. I mean really it's 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 a real single white female situation. Anyway, so uh what's going on here is that uh couple reports this week. One is crazy and we'll get to that last. First one is Mark Stein. Mark Stein reports that Gordon Hayward is in a serious that that the the Jazz are worried that not only could he go to Boston, but he, but also Miami is a serious contender. So this is nothing new in part. We knew that Miami was going to be looking hard at him. We didn't know that the Jazz were concerned with him. Co- going along with that, we had Quinn Snyder interviewed by Adrian Wojnarowski earlier in the week. And it really kind of laid off a bit of a vibe of, you know, hey, he may choose to leave here for reasons other than basketball. So. Putting two and two together, I'm thinking, okay, well, does he like the beach? This is took a deep dive for me that seemed just borderline on you need a restraining order from this guy because I did a deep dive on, uh, Robin Hayward. That's, that's Gordon's wife's, uh, Instagram account. I'm trying to figure out, is she from Miami? Like, why would they be interested in Miami over Boston? Didn't find anything, but, but ladies and gentlemen, anyone who's on Twitter tonight can know and does understand. There was a post about a half hour ago from when we're recording this. Robin Hayward puts up a picture of their their daughter, uh, Gordon, and, and and her daughter on Instagram with a shirt on on her back that says "Go Green," big shamrock, "Go Green" above it on her back. What does it mean? I, look, dude, I you know I don't know. I don't know if it means something. I don't know if it's, if it's nothing. I mean, all it says, I love snuggles from this feisty two-year-old. I mean, yes, I'm, I'm, I've gone to the fact of we're, we're, we're doing with this. It doesn't say anything about the Celtics. It doesn't say anything about anything related to those things. But in this, in this era of, of parsing words and putting little crumbs together to try to figure out the big picture, that's pretty, it's at least somewhat interesting. And, and in the words of CNC Music Factory, it's one of those things that make you go, hmm. Well, let, let
0: me ask How's you that? this, too. How many pictures went up? Just the go green? Because it is curious cool. timing if you consider the fact that people in, you know, New England, this whole Miami rumor has everybody nervous.
1: Absolutely. And, and okay, and so now I've just gone back to her page and the picture's gone. <laughs> she deleted what? the picture. From it. Yeah, it's gone. <laughs> <laughs> yep it's all gone see
0: now I remember the first thing I said to you when you brought this up was that if Gordon comes and not just because of this picture I just mean generally speaking you almost wonder if there wouldn't be tampering charges but how quickly that removed obviously somebody is concerned about it right somebody's gotta be because that's that should be an innocuous picture
1: it should be but you know <laughs> it's it's there man it's there it happened we were there we saw it you know it's you know it's like cofefe you know it might have been an accident but we all we were all there we all witnessed it uh we were all witnesses um uh, i don't know all these it, there's so much this time of year that just you can't ascribe anything to, right? Like you can't be like put like all your faith in it. But weird stuff inevitably seems to turn into something. The other thing we haven't talked about is that Hayward's agent is Mark Bartelstein, and you know, as as I do, being a, a Celtics fan and really covering the team pretty intensely from oh seven oh eight, a lot of Bartelstein's guys were the guys who filled in this roster, uh, Posey. Eddie House, um, throughout that time, Ainge and Bartlestein had a really close relationship that allowed guys to come back and forth and get guys here, and he made some solid decisions for some of Bartlestein's guys. I feel like that's the unspoken part of this conversation. We always focused on the fact that Gordon and, and Brad obviously were together there at Butler. But I think the age, agent relationship also holds a lot of sway here as well. So I think that's something we need to talk about. Probably as so we get a little bit closer to July 1. But it's all happening, man. It's all happening. So what, of course, also, what, are, what are they going to do? This. What's that? I have one other – one other I important do it uh notice. Celtics blog. I mean um, our good friend uh Jeff Clark says uh, the most probably the most important thing out of this, he says I think because I said what does it all mean? Jeff says, I think it means that the internet needs to get a life. <laughs> <laughs> so just to bring us all down, thank you, Jeff, for that. <laughs> good
0: stuff. Brutal. But he's right. He's right. But at the same time, where there's smoke, there's fire. We already had the Bartlestein connection all nailed down. Like, that was a legitimate sort of... Well, let me ask you. Like, when... Can they talk at all when Gordon is under contract with the agent? I understand that they can't communicate with the player. But maybe you know better than I do. Like, can't the agent talk to another organization in advance of free agency like even two years ago like there's nothing that says Bartlestein and Danny can't talk about Gordon Hayward and express interest right
1: no that they're, they're not allowed to talk this is this goes this is what happened with the Joe Smith situation back over a decade ago uh when Glenn Taylor or oh it was Kevin Kevin McHale and uh, and joe smith 's agent were talking about extension when they were unable to do so. Uh, you know does that mean that conversations don 't happen I think that'd be i think we 'd all be too naive to think that 's the case though you know I think, I think but uh, you know back channels now in this world of political back channels i 'm sure there are plenty of back channels and, and conversations that happen uh, and again bull pet's article back in 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 the, in the late to late days of February near the, the trade deadline, I think is the most important comment in all this and saying there's a re, and other GMs noticing it too. So there's a reason why Ainge feels confident about this cap space he has this summer. And I think it could go in, in another direction too. I think, I think on the one hand, I think they feel good about Hayward's possibility, but I think they have some information on Blake Griffin too. And that's a name that's gotten a little bit more play here, not from, you know, reporting sources. But from sources of folks really on Twitter, people discussing it on Twitter and saying, you know, maybe that's something that deserves a little bit more conversation. Bill Simmons talked quite a bit about that in his most recent podcast with uh you know, talking about the, the ideas of is that something that the Celtics should be looking at? If they if they go on a, on a short term deal with big money, does that help get the Celtics that I'm in to favor of be competitive too. in that short window yep. but get them to twenty twenty. Yep. You know I'm, that's, I'm, which is That the I'm that... in favor of.
0: Even with the injuries, that is something that I would be short money, right, where you don't sacrifice your mm-hmm. ability to re-sign some of these draft picks. And there's lingering rumors that maybe Chris Paul doesn't stick around, right? So if Chris Paul doesn't stick around, you got to think Blake is either not sticking around or available in sign-and-trade. I mean, immediately, Doc and the Clippers are in a very rough spot if Chris Paul doesn't stick around.
1: Yeah, I think that's I think that's right. I mean, if if Chris Paul's gone, he goes to 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 the to the Spurs. You've got to one. There is something to be said though about the fact of you know that team might be better with one of them gone. You know, it, there there is a I think a a positive to be taken by one of them coming to being out of the picture in terms of how the team plays. The problem is, is that the, the Clippers really screwed screwed up. They should have traded one of those two, and really Blake. They should have traded Blake last summer when they could have gotten something for him, reshaped the roster into a into a package that is built more around. DeAndre's rim running and, and defensive skills, uh, perhaps someone was a bit more of a shooter from the four position, and and someone who was a perhaps a better complement to to Chris Paul's skills. There's a bit too much duplication with Blake and Chris uh, in terms of the ability to run through the offense through them, and so. It, it, it was never a great fit, and unfortunately, Doc lacked the, uh, the cojones to, uh, actually do such a thing last summer when he really needed to. And I think it may have extended the life of his Clippers, and now he has a chance of losing both in free agency, which maybe no one would have thought possible, uh, you know, 18 months ago, but here we are. So let me ask you this then. Gordon Hayward
0: or Blake Griffin, and, and I'm going to preface it by saying that, there are probably many fans just based on the rebounding deficiencies and the fact that if we do sign big money free agent this summer it really limits our ability to bring back anybody in the front court or fill in the roster with somebody who might be available that could help out with the rebounding woes and the shot blocking interior presence but the injuries scare me so and the you know not so much the age but the 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 injuries at yeah. that age are what scare me now. You present a scenario that I would be absolutely in favor of: short money or short money but big money for a guy like Blake, and then maybe that doesn't hamper the the contract. Although Ryan Bernardoni did say that we might still be able to get Gordon Hayward on short money, maybe not quite as short as what you and I are talking about for Blake, but that once he hits that ten year threshold. Gordon stands to make a lot more money, so maybe you could still get him on short money and sort of let the let the roster and the cap thing play itself out as well. Is it a no-brainer for you with Gordon Hayward? Because I don't think it is for everybody. It is for me. I don't think it is for everybody.
1: Yeah, you and I are probably as pro Gordon as as you're going to (laughs) find anywhere on the internet. I think, don't you? (laughs) Absolutely. yeah I mean I remember you were I mean you were really the first one on the show to bring up Gordon I think specifically talking about moving the pick that became Jalen Brown for the potential to get him a year earlier I guess a year and a half early at the last year's trade deadline and I and you know we've talked about it and I was like, oh, I don't know if I'd do it and in the end you got the the you know the, <laughs> the guy of your dreams there in, in Jalen but we could get both and that was that's the beauty of it right and uh, to me, that's no question. You go for Hayward every day. No question. You know, no injury history. You know, a guy who's on an upward trend, who's gotten better and better and better every single year he's been in the league, and and perhaps playing in an offense that's going to be better suited to his skills. Um, in in the league that we play, that, that this this team plays in, it, and we're seeing it right now in the finals. You're seeing a team with two bigs, two good bigs who can rebound and block shots and play traditional five man and four man roles in this, in the, in the league. And they're getting, just, dis- in large parts are getting destroyed. Without the referees' help and came for they're destroying Cleveland Cavaliers. They're getting they're they're, they're they're excuse me they are being destroyed by the Golden State Warriors. And of course I'm talking about the Cavaliers. You need bigs. You need yes, but you need to have fours and threes who can switch and rebound and pass and shoot. You need versatility. That's the key, right? And Gordon Hayward allows you to do that. Blake Griffin, sadly, his, hasn't made that that leap. And athletically, due to the injuries, largely he's slowed. He's not the same freak of nature that we saw in the early days of Lob City. He needs to add a three-point shot, and that would greatly help him. Uh, but and he is he is a skilled passer. He's a great rebounder. I think defensively, he's he's adequate and does what, you, what does what the Celtics would need. It would be a, a huge plus for these Celtics, uh, particularly in playing against the Cleveland Cavaliers. But in the long run. I think I'd rather have Hayward on my team and try to find bigs that are a bit more flexible and athletic and can, can switch on the perimeter uh, to a, a greater degree than, than really what we're seeing now with a, a more of a plotting team uh, in the Cleveland Cavaliers.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think positional flexibility is something that we talked about, especially at the draft. I mean, at the trade deadline, as we were looking ahead to the draft, that's when the conversation really started to take some momentum on this show. And as we head to the break, I will say that's really where we need to come off. There was an article on Celtics blog, since you mentioned Jeff, saying would you trade next year's Brooklyn Nets pick with with some unknowns there if you were going to get a top five pick this year. And I think it just depends on how the draft is playing out. You know, that might be something that you consider. But maybe Josh Jackson is a player, when we talk specifically in regards to what you just said, is a guy that maybe you'd be willing to flip that knowing that you create – All that positional flexibility. So first, it's playoff season and having the right players on the court will be the key to success. That sharp outside shooter or power rebounder can be the difference between winning and losing. Business isn't any different. Your company needs the right people to be the best. So where do you go to find top talent? You can't find the best candidates by posting your job on just one site. You need to post on all the top job sites. And now you can with ZipRecruiter. At ZipRecruiter.com. You can post your job to over 100 job sites with just one click. Then their powerful technology efficiently matches the right people to your position. That's why ZipRecruiter is different. Unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you, it finds them. In fact, over 80% of jobs posted on ZipRecruiter get a qualified candidate in just 24 hours. No juggling emails or calls to the office, simply screen, rate, and manage candidates all in one place with ZipRecruiter's easy-to-use dashboard. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes nationwide. And right now, our listeners can start forming their own winning team on ZipRecruiter for free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com sportsfan. That's ZipRecruiter.com sportsfan. Again, try it for free today at ZipRecruiter.com slash sportsfan. Okay, so we spent the first half of the show talking about free agency, but the draft is really what's coming up, and despite the fact that it really does not hold a whole lot of mystery for Celtics fans, sure, I suppose there's a chance, a very small chance, sort of like the Cleveland Cavaliers coming back from a 3-0 deficit for a second year in a row type of chance, that the Celtics wouldn't take Markel Fultz, but before we kind of debate that, would you trade next year's pick for another top five pick, Let's just talk about some of the events of the past week because we see that Fultz makes his visit. He's in town. And then there's the whole ESPN doing a photo shoot with Markel, And we got to dive into that a little bit because despite the fact that there really is no mystery, they're certainly not helping make it any mystery either. It seems like they're very much locked in on this guy. And when you know how much, not only did the Celtics sort of feel comfortable in saving for their money for free agency this offseason, you know that they really, really, really wanted that number one pick. And that's pretty crazy to say when you know how deep this draft is. A lot of good talent at the very top. So you have to think they've really been locked in on Fultz all along and that when they did finally get that number one pick and they didn't drop to five or four, that, that excitement, they're kind of letting it out of the bag
1: a little bit, John. I, yeah, I, I think so too. I mean, it, usually I see the great value in kind of going back and getting more value and, you know, the Belichick approach, you know, <laughs> trade back one spot and get 45 future picks. I just, I see that there's a clear gap right now between Fultz and everybody else, right? And you know, we were, we talked a lot about Josh Jackson. We talked a lot about Tatum. Both of us were kind of down on ball, and I, and I still am. Um, but, boy, man, I mean, you look at where we were, you know, in that playoff series and just not enough guys who can put the ball on the floor and get to the basket or get the shot off, create offense for themselves and others. I mean, Markel Fultz checks all those boxes and more, you know, and – it's a need, it's, it's a future potential, Uh you know, there, there, there are potentials in a lot of those guys, in those top five guys, going down to De'Aaron Fox, included probably in that, Monk could be a guy who who could do something, Isaac, I mean, there's, there's a lot of guys who could star as you, as they kind of go through their careers, but Fultz is the complete package, I mean, it's all right there, and again, I talked about Simmons' podcast yesterday, and you, you know, like, Cringe to even give him credit on this, but he repeated a comment. <laughs> yes, that he, you do. You know, yeah. Still blocked, by the way. Still blocked, going on like five years. Six wow. Years. Uh, yeah, I know, right? It's crazy. Um, the guy does not have Does not have thick skin. That's for certain. Uh, but Fultz, he was, he, was talking, he talked with an NBA GM the other day, who said, "This is who Fultz is. He's a shorter Tracy McGrady," and. Your wow, own. who could play point guard? A point guard, right? And, and, and when McGrady came in, there was some talk that he would be he would play point guard, but his size, just in that league at that time, that wasn't what was going to happen. But could do everything, you know. And you don't turn down Tracy McGrady. There's a lot of guys who could be good, who could be all stars, who could do a lot of things in this league. There's a lot of good in this in this in the early in the top parts of this draft, but the difference between Markel Fultz and two and three and four to me, you just can't trade. As Danny says at the end of the of the playoffs, we have a lot of good players. We need great players, and Markel Fultz is a great player.
0: Yeah, he really is, and he's got the length, he's got the size, and we talked about earlier Isaiah Thomas and just the wear and tear. So if you hit a home run in free agency. And we're hoping that's Gordon Hayward. But you also go and take Fultz. It should take a serious serious pressure and scoring load off of Isaiah Thomas. And what was the big issue this season? Maybe not as bad even as last year, but that second unit scoring. So we kind of tried out Evan Turner, and he was the anchor. There was a lot of questions about how they were going to survive without him, despite sort of the shot selection and the fact that Brad made him a better player. We still look, we still discussed all season long who's going to be the guy to carry that second unit. We looked at Kelly Olynyk. We looked at Marcus Smart. Obviously Jalen Brown wasn't ready, but somebody like Markel Fultz, if he's not starting and even if he is, they'll stagger it so that there is some sort of scoring punch on that second unit.
1: That's, that's it. I mean, and they were looking at, at Rosier to do that and it's unfortunate because I thought Rozier had a good season, uh, at the end, but he never made the leap that, that I think we all thought he would. We thought the way he played in the playoffs was the way he'd play the entire season. So it's, it was a bit disappointing to see that season out, out of, out of Terry Rozier. Now you're going to bring in a guy named like Mark Fultz who can do it all. Maybe he doesn't have the kind of quick twitch uh athleticism that a guy like rosier has but the gifts are are just plentiful (laughs) and i'm not saying that rosier is going to get pushed out because i think there's a lot of things that could happen in this backcourt including you know just about everybody but you know there's no question you put markel fultz and what he can do in that second spot even with two years two less years on the job training um there's no question that the, that team, that second unit's gonna be better place to win games. And, well, and, and the kid take can even.
0: shoot. Like, let's, I mean, That's I know right. maybe they say, oh, well, not the, not the NBA three, maybe, you know, there's always that question mark going from college to the pros. You know, nobody's gonna shoot five steps behind the line on a consistent basis in college. But, honestly, his shot is so smooth. I really don't think, if there is an adjustment, it's gonna be a minor one. It certainly won't be, let's start him in the corner the way that they did with Jalen Brown. Let's, let's get Jalen to a point where he can hit the open corner three. Then we'll let him kind of expand his shot selection, you know, from outside, from deep outside. And I think with Markel, he's going to know his spots, even if he takes a couple of deep twos while he's sort of adjusting to the NBA game. But what do you think he's going to be working on all summer? it's absolutely going to be adjusting to that NBA three-point line. We've seen him do a bunch of trick shots, so you know that he's kind of capable of doing some sort of interesting things, and he can adapt what he does and sort of read the court. I really don't think that hitting that deep NBA three is going to be – if it is a struggle, it's only going to be an early one. By the end of the season, I think he'd have it figured out. But I think, you know, one of the things with him, too, is – is really what we've been talking about, positional flexibility. He can play the one and the two. He's probably long enough to play the three in a pinch. He can distribute the ball. He can score. And even if, and we heard a lot about this, the defense, and I know uh, Celtics Blog had a really nice article about how, hey, listen, with everything he was required to do and you look at his length, he's not going to be the defensive liability that you all think he is. So what if he is? I really think that this team could suffer that. That'll be the difference between whether or not he gets into the starting lineup, if he is consistently generating offense, but think about how much less attention he's going to receive next season. Despite being the number one overall pick, he is going to have so much more room to create. Remember what we said about Jalen Brown and his transition. The guy is a north-south, attack-the-rim kind of player. Now... He needs some work even in that regard still. But one of the things that really benefited Jalen was the spacing on the floor this season. Don't think that Markel Fultz won't have the same luxury. And let's also take it a step further and say he's smoother going to the paint and attacking the basket. And he's more likely to knock the outside shot to get some respect. With those two things, combined with the fact that the floor is much more open in the NBA, I don't, I don't consider defense or the three-point shot, a real legitimate concern on his ability to impact this team next season. I think he gets 20 points. I mean, 20 minutes a game, easy.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. I think that's exactly the spot that they, you peg him for. And, you know, the the question there is what happens elsewhere in the wings, you know, at the shooting guard spot. You know, I mean, you know they're going to try to keep Isaiah under 30, or, or around thirty, and certainly he's less than that. Probably to even start the year, so you you know Fultz is your guy to you know at least to probably average throughout the year twenty, but you know you've got forty eight minutes right there. There's your there's your point guard minutes. You know who's your two or, or or do you kick Fultz to two and have somebody run the show? Let him play a little bit off the ball. Try to get used to the, those skills. I mean that's one thing that we saw with with um, the development of smart I think was a bit troubling and we talked quite a bit this year. You're you know, when you when you have to do so many different things, it's hard to be really good at one thing. And Smart this year it really finally made that leap in terms of his ability of running a team and making the right passes and making the right reads and setting his teammates up. It was in him, but he was playing small forward and he was being shooting guard and he was being the team stopper when Bradley wasn't in and doing all these things, spot up shooter, <laughs> you know, doing all these things and not really doing what what I think is in his skill set so I'm hopeful that there'll be a little bit more roster sanity so that then Ainge can kind of line things up and be like, okay, look Brown you stay in this role you're going to Play in this role get better at what you're Doing and then move on to the next thing And same with faults, I think That that's been a bit troubling for this Team and you know it's hard to tell a guy to go work on something when you're you're putting him in a game and you need him to do five other things because that's what the team needs to win. It's really the cross-purposes of, of developing a player while also trying to win at the same time. It's, it's a challenging thing this team has done. It's worked so well with Brown, uh, maybe not quite as well with Rosier and I think with Smart, it's probably a bit mixed. Well, and you know they're going to wind
0: up with a bunch of small lineups. So despite the fact that was kind of calling for Brown to play the two, and then I thought he did very well. Probably his best stretch of the season was playing the two with A.V. Bradley out in the starting lineup. But in this case, you land Gordon Hayward and you get Markel Fultz. Minutes at the two without any kind of movement is pretty much never going to happen for Jalen Brown in that scenario and even with the addition of Gordon Hayward it makes minutes at the three pretty limited if you're holding on to Jay Crowder so Jay you almost have to look at it like what you were just kind of lining up at the guard spot is to say okay veteran Isaiah at point guard Fultz is backup veteran at shooting guard is Bradley and Marcus Smart is backup and we know Marcus kind of Moves over to the one as well, so maybe him and Fultz are interchangeable. Then you go over to the three. Veteran Hayward is the starter at the three, and Brown, the rookie, is the backup. And now you're looking at Crowder, and he's basically a four in every small ball lineup. And occasionally, depending on how they do the substitutions, Jalen Brown is is, is kind of picking up that that four spot like we saw him more so i guess at the beginning of the season but a little bit in the playoffs as well in small ball lineups that's kind of see how how i see all of that shaking out there's still some room but then what happens to a guy like terry Rozier? because if you're taking those 48 minutes and you're saying they're 30 and, and 18 or 28 and 20 it's getting pretty thin somebody like Rozier finds himself on the outside unless you trade avery bradley
1: and that's, I think, what you, what you and I are both wanting, or called for, I think, is that deal. That deal to send Bradley out, open up the space for everybody. And I think the other thing that we haven't really talked about on the average bravey Bradley trade is that he played so well, or at least the, it, probably in contrast to what the numbers say, according to Sam and Ryan and others who are looking at it from an analytical sense, that the eye test says that Bradley played a tremendous playoff series. His trade value should never be higher at this point. Yes, he's a free agent to be, but I think a lot of teams feel like they can get him for a, a good price. And I would, you know, what does that mean for the Celtics to be able to add something elsewhere in their roster? Yes, they have to take a, a, a significant pay cut in what they get back, just so they can get that that cap space they need to sign Hayward or, or whomever, but that that little bit does add somebody whether it's talking about Robert Covington was a guy that that Bernardoni talked about maybe Rashawn Holmes is as is a big guy i mean again the, the, the part of the problem that i see with this roster going into next year is that let's see you do sign Hayward you instead of being that team that brings in its second unit that that really can kind of whitewash the other teams as we saw really going along with the uh, you know attacking whether it's um, the bulls or going after the wizards or and most of these teams. it was the second unit that really pushed them through now you're going to have an even younger second unit coming into the game you got brown you got Fultz, you've got you ai maybe. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of questions and not a lot of veteran depth, and so adding that guy who you get back for for Bradley is going to be key. He could be this could be you know, the seventh, sixth, seventh person on let's this say, team coming in. That's let's important. say
0: Blake Griffin picks up his option. Can you pull enough salary together with Jay Crowder and Avery Bradley to to go get that? to go get that player in a move because if like let's say like you said somebody's got to go from that clippers roster that's a great way for them to stay young and keep somebody like deandre who's also young and shed a little bit of that concern like let's say chris paul leaves can you package enough salary on this roster or is there just not enough money there if you sign gordon hayward and I'm only talking so, about one year rental, right? I know long term, right. to Bernardoni's point, we'll be totally in trouble with cab space in that regard. It'll really hurt. But I just mean for next season only, let's say, let's say Griffin only picks up his option and then they decide to make kind of a move. Can you really pack, so, is there enough salary on this roster to do that?
1: Well, here's the, the biggest question is Tyler Zeller. Okay, so he's 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 owed eight million dollars next year. He is uh, the Celtics have to um, I believe when they have they have until July third to release him from his contract without um, being tied into that money into next year. But if year. they don't if they don't
0: let him go, they can't get
1: Hayward. Correct. Right, so they're going to have to know in the first couple of days if they're in the Hayward sweepstakes or the or the or if Griffin's out. So I suppose if Griffin stays and Hayward's out, maybe they keep Tyler Zeller using him as an expiring contract. But they couldn't do both, right? To- you couldn't take enough players that are remaining on this roster.
0: With Bradley and Crowder to make it happen. I mean, I'm talking everybody's well, on the table. Rosier's on the table. Maybe you've gutted, gutted the roster to some extent, but kept the core pieces of youth, meaning Fultz and Brown and Smart. Is there a way to pull that off or is there just like where I don't know what his number is if he picks up his option? Do you know? At 21 million. Yeah, there's no way. Yeah, Eric, Eric, They can't even get half the way one. there with Crowder and, and you, Bradley. Yeah.
1: You'd have to you'd have to send out I mean, let's assume you send out Bradley. Um well I guess you wouldn't have to send out Bradley if you didn't you're saying they don't get Hayward or you're saying they do get Hayward. They do get Hayward. All right. And
0: and so then so, they say, Okay, the roster's unbalanced. Let's take right. one year on Griffin, let's throw in Bradley and right. Crowder. That gets us starting. Can we get what is it, to the like the one hundred and twenty five percent point or whatever?
1: Yeah, so you'd have to get, you'd have to get to like seventeen. So you got to, well, you right. So the problem is that so you have to get to the to the seventeen because you have to get four million last. So let's say you send Bradley, Crowder. Smart. What's the gap from there? So if you send Bradley and and Crowder, you're at twelve. So six that's six eight and eight eight, so fourteen, fifteen, eight, yeah, you could do it. you could send if you sent Crowder, Bradley, and smart out, you could get brown you could get him back now you gonna you've gotta do smart, him. huh, you've gotta do smart or brown or yeah, yeah. Not two well, other you pieces. Least, you well, could do it with you could do it with Rozier. Actually, you could do it with Rozier. You could do Rozier. You could do it with Rozier. So, yeah, you could Rozier Crowder. If that were if the twenty five percent works, hold on. Let me. I'll I'll do the trade checker. This is so. I mean, I'm not
0: trying to. I know this is way out there, silly. But this is what this time of year is kind of all about. It is. But I'm just sitting here thinking about it, and I was like, I'm thinking, you know, if Chris Paul leaves, what a great way for that team to kind of get a little reenergized get a little young, and maybe they at least stay healthy in that. And you still have guys in their prime. I mean, Bradley's no slouch. It's just mm-hmm. the roster crunch here and the way that so the Celtics it, are being put together.
1: So it works, okay? It does work if you, and you do have to throw, give, give the Clippers Brazier. their
0: pick back in a couple of years?
1: Uh, you could, but I think you're probably – I mean, he's an expiring deal. So here's what you've given up, though, right? You've given up cost control, Terry Rozier. You've given up cost control, Jay Crowder, for the potential of having to sign Blake Griffin to a max deal next year. I'm actually so thinking, him, I'm actually thinking you let him go anyway. The, but look, so we, already got gonna... cap
0: issues, right? Already got cap right. issues. Already too small. Already going to lose something, probably not at and not get a premium return. You're already there. Why not run to a guy like Griffin and hope that you get the one healthy year out of the next four and really take a charge? The most valuable thing for these young players, a Foltz, a Brown, and a Smart, is that they know what it takes to perform in the postseason when the reins get handed over. You cannot undervalue what postseason experience means to these guys and how it sets a tone for what they really need to be doing in the off season and how they need to approach their game year after year after year to be ready for when they're on that big stage. I'm not saying guys like superstars shouldn't already know how to do that, but I'm just saying as this as as some of these young guys develop, one of the biggest advantages for their development and growth in the NBA is the fact that this team was first in the East. They're about to add a ton of young talent. Putting them in the postseason gives you the best chance for making this better and better year after year. Does it get them over Cleveland if they get Hayward and Griffin? I don't know, but it certainly makes them pretty intense. It makes them it, pretty darn intense, even with Zizic starting at center because we've gutted the roster. But then I think it's interesting. You let Blake it's go. Why not take the gamble? What if they got a championship next season out of that some crazy, wacky, wild way? And then they let Griffin go and they take a step back a little bit, but these young players begin to emerge as they approach their third year and they're battle tested in the
1: post. So, but the, the problem is, and, and I, I hear you, but the problem is you're losing two assets for nothing. You know, we might anyway, but not with Crowder and Brozier. I mean, those guys are cost controlled for for three years or four years, respectively. But so they still take them... up
0: room on the cap when you're trying to resign. Yeah, but but you're Isaiah Thomas rotation and all of that. Yeah, but you're
1: you're yeah, but you're you're getting rid of rotation players. So you're going to end up being just like the Clippers, whereas you have your all stars and not much else. That's why the Celtics. No, because you still have right? the young players. That's the
0: difference. They don't. But the Clippers but don't have a young. Player. young player. Yes, but he's yeah, not, but, he can't a, but just, he's not
1: part of the you, core, dude. Listen. What is, but what do young players give you, though? I mean, let's look at the young players in this league. You got the Minnesota Timberwolves. Everyone's like, they're a young team. They're up and the coming, right? 76ers up and coming. Everybody's on their rookie contracts, but they're not good teams. But what are you right? going to get I mean, for Avery
0: Bradley? Are you just trying to stockpile more picks so that you can cost control more in the future or are you not even you worried could get a about that?
1: Player. I think you've got to get a rotation player and a future pick. I think that's, that's, that's the goal. A, see, the, a, the, the
0: rotation player that you add still mm-hmm. presents issues around salary.
1: All you need to worry about though is getting enough to sign Hayward and that someone who's cost controlled for a period of time, whether it's one year, two year. Covington's only a one year deal. So you're, you're swapped. Basically, you're getting the pick for the right to sign Hayward. But you're also creating space in your rotation too. I, I don't think But that you're creating a, a ton of space in your one is the same. I, dude, I think that's too
0: much. Your one year of Blake Griffin for Jay Crowder, Avery Bradley, and Terry Rozier creates space in the rotation, solves your issues at the four and and this is provided the the major caveat that debunks a lot of this is that Blake just picks up his option and rides one more year. Based on how he finished the season, you might still see that happening instead of him opting out, but I I don't know. Maybe he opts out. We'll we'll see. But that but if that were to be the case, renting him for one year, so what if you don't get picks back? There this team is already loaded with draft picks that will keep them cost controlled in the future. They're already going to have these young players that are on the team that are going to need to get paid as soon as this current staple of veterans comes up. These issues don't go away. They compound. So my point is, if all you're going to do is keep compounding future salary, why not make a big swing rental this season and then just solve the problem? And, and and now you know that that cap is going to be manageable even with Hayward on it. Avery Bradley has already been in discussions on this show since before the trade deadline of the fact that he's a, he's a great player, really solid, lifelong Celtic. We just don't know how we're going to pay him. We really can't pay him. And you don't think Jay Crowder is going to fall into that at some point? He will at some point. So why not open up the space so that you can re-sign? Marcus Smart's another one that's on that question mark list, right? Cause you gotta start, you gotta sign Smart and Isaiah. What was the core theme of the discussion with Ryan Bernardoni last week? It was, we might still not even, even if we do all of these things, we still might not be able to sign Isaiah
1: Thomas. You still might have question marks in that regard. That's right. But moving two guys who are going to be cost controlled, doesn't help you with that it only worsens the problem of saying you're not going to be able to competitive and you're going to have that See, issue but that's where i disagree because if, i think if you the roster's you already res-
0: loaded you're going to have these young players clamoring for minutes and they don't have oh. to wear and tear on their body they should be the ones to do it we you only need listen no, think about this real quick right yeah. you got five starters let's say you get hayward and i know we're going down pipe dream you know Alley right now, right? Yeah. But you'd have Isaiah, um, Smart, I guess, or Fultz. Isaiah, Fultz, Hayward, Griffin, Zizich, and then you'd still have Brown coming off the bench, the draft pick next year. You'd still – I mean, you. Um, who's the guy we drafted in the second round? Nader. You could still pick him up, and he would be cross-controlled. You've got Yabaselli. I mean – how long are we going to stash some of these young players? You might as well get a little top heavy while the young players emerge to a point where they deserve a
1: contract. And I'm okay with, with consolidating talent to do that. I'm just not okay with giving up, basically creating a cap problem for us by either re-signing whoever we're acquiring or creating a situation where it, the people that we're going to have to replace on the roster uh, for these low cost contracts are going to be worse non rotation players or uh, perhaps younger players who are less likely to to be participants. I I just I'm I got concerned you. You're having rotation players yeah. that the younger's. Your core issue is problem. your core issue is
0: we're trading for Blake Griffin and we're basically only going to get a single year out of him.
1: Yeah. 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 Exactly. I love if, – if, if Blake Griffin was a core piece and was someone you're going to resign, maybe that – there is – okay, so just to flip it around, let's say you keep him. Let's say he has a great year. He's healthy. He has his trial year in Boston. And the Clippers get a a, a package of players. I mean, it, it makes sense. It makes sense. That package of players makes a lot of sense for a number of reasons let's say that Isaiah isn't healthy and the hip just doesn't come around this year. Maybe you're, you're dedicating that money to Blake Griffin and you're not dedicating money to Isaiah Thomas. Now that's blasphemy. I get it. (laughs) But, but there is a, a situation where you could look at that conversation and say, you know, maybe it does make sense in another world, of saying, well, let's let's take Griffin, and that way, one out of the two of them, or both, maybe it does don't increase work out your. Or- you know what? Your, yeah, it increases your odds
0: of keeping the right player when that time comes without dropping off, and, and it gives and, you more people to make that decision around. Because you're right, and, Isaiah and Blake would come up at the same time if he just picked up his option, and we made such a deal. Yep.
1: So. That would be interesting. I think I, you know, does Horford, does Horford, Griffin? How do you work that front court out? That that's a lot of questions there. You sign Hayward, you've got Isaiah, and then either Smart or Foltz or Brown or that fifth guy. That's a pretty good team. That's a team that can compete. I think that's a team you can sign some other minimum salary free agents to sign and play and compete. Um, I think you can feel like you can give a charge into Cleveland, and a year from now, you have two max contract players potentially on the market at the same time that you could resign and go into cap hell, or it doesn't work. It's an unmitigated disaster, and the worst part of it, though, and this is the part that I, I have a hard time with it, is you have the potential of both assets walking away for nothing. And that would be a pretty hard pill to swallow for Danny Ainge, given all that they do to maximize the absolute most out of every asset they have. It seems like that's an un like maneuver. But maybe it's a Belichick maneuver, and they say, we can get more out of not signing these players and having having players fill in in their places than we are by re-signing them and committing those dollars long-term doesn't seem like an nba type type decision but it's possible (laughs) well we just
0: burned up a ton of time with that unanticipated trip down you know (laughs) crazy lane but you know maybe we maybe we actually got some meat and potatoes out of it some way um because i like the way you wrap that up and so we have to wrap the show but i am gonna say we we promised to have this one quick debate um So let's pretend next year's pick, you never know what can happen with the Brooklyn Nets. Would you move it for a top five pick? And my answer immediately is no, not just randomly for a top five pick, but is maybe we spin it another way and put it back to you, John, and then we'll close out the show in a minute. But what if there is a way or is there any other player in the top five that – if they fell to whenever said pick became available, right? Let's. I mean, you could say number two is available in a swap, which it's not. But let's. You know, it doesn't matter. Just is there another player in this draft that you would like to get your hands on, even at the expense of next year's Brooklyn Nets pick?
1: No, 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 no. Not when you the potential just that could be number one, and whether it's Doncic, reporter, or Porter, or. uh, there's a number of guys that you could take next year. I I don't see the value in trying to do that. I think that the Celtics pick next year might be somebody you'd look at. and, And there may be a guy in the late lottery who is exciting for you or, um, but, Right now, the Sults don't need players on their roster. They need, they need assets, and they need assets who are not on their salary right now. So, not only would signing somebody, uh, or trading for a second first rounder, uh, mean one more player you have to fit into the, to the minutes, you know, situation, but you're gonna have to allocate three, four, five million dollars to that person. When you're already short four million, you need to sign Hayward. So they need $8 million. It just doesn't make any sense at this point. I love it. I love the, the idea of it, but I think when you have the chance again that the number one pick next year and and the guys that are there available there, I think you just have to wait and, and, and play it out as you did this year.
0: Well, and you talk about cost-controlling players. Definitely spacing that out one additional year for when all these players come up to be re-signed is also pretty important. So I think there's some validity there. Um, one last question. The Sacramento rumors about working out Fultz, um, they have picks 5 and 10. I think it's extremely ex- – well, I, we've already said we don't think there's any chance the Celtics have locked in on Fultz. But do you think there's any truth to the rumors that Fultz might go and work out for them? I mean, that could be an agent favor kind of thing. They want to compare him to another player and see how big the gap is, right, depending on relationships.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, I think that's right. Um, I I don't think that that Fultz, I mean, is he going to talk to them? Maybe, maybe not play for them, but talk to them. I think that's possible. I think that the Kings seem to be trying to turn over a new leaf. And so I'm looking at more in that realm as opposed to suggesting that there's legitimate interest. There's really no package that the Sacramento Kings could offer that would possibly allow for five and ten to move up to one. And I can't even see a package where five and 10 get the number two. So maybe five and can five and 10 get them to three, but how exactly does Philly make a Godfather offer that gets, gets them the number one pick and, and why wouldn't they take Fultz themselves? So th- there's a lot of questions in the logic of it. I do think that of all the teams that are in the lottery, I think Philly does have the goods to make a deal with Boston that could allow them to give up the number one pick, but I think Philly. would What be would that look like? Well, if you think say that Embiid, only... I'm not interested. Well, I, I I would say Embiid would be one. I'd say Ben Simmons would be two. I'm not saying the same deal. Those are those are one of those two would have to be in the deal. The six, the Lakers pick next year, and of course number three. That's a pretty expensive cost for that pick. And I don't think they'd do something like that. It it just, there's no reason for them to do it, you know, but, but Fultz is the guy they need that oddly enough, he's the guy that kind of would let everything work there. And that he comes to Boston. is just, Oh geez, I feel terrible for them. (laughs) (laughs)
0: It's true. It's true. And, and the Brooklyn nets need whatever
1: they can get. So you have to feel terrible for them too. Oh yeah, just completely destroyed about such things. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, there's a chance they could be good next year. Not good, better than they were this year. They, they they could be on that list. I'm just, I'm not seeing it right now. I, I think uh I think there's still going to be a, a five, top five worst team, no matter if they sign a couple guys this summer or not. So if that's the case. We're still in the mix for Doncic and Porter and, and everybody else, so I, I'm not I'm not at all concerned that that, that we're somehow going to be holding on to a, a late lottery pick next year. It's not going to happen.
0: All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for this week's show. We're going to be back next week. It'll be right before the draft. Then we're going to have the live draft show. John, myself, Bobby Manning, going to be there. We'll probably all be shuffling the deck throughout the night a little bit. Um, we've no, been known to do some really long shows, but timing, details, etc. cetera, uh, we'll be putting that out here in the next couple of days to uh, let everybody know. We'll line up our usual set of excellent guests to be able to talk to you and take us through the night. And you never know what will happen. I'm pretty sure it will be Fultz, but there's a chance Danny trades in and moves around and there's a lot of future assets if they've got other players they're eyeballing what I really want to know John is is over the next several days is do they wind up working out some other players that look to go maybe in the mid first round that will be sort of intriguing as we get a little bit closer to the draft but that's going to do it. For this week's show, it will be available on demand on the CLNS Radio mobile app and clnsradio.com. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, at CSL underscore Justin. John is at CSL underscore Duke. Big thanks to everybody for tuning in. You can support the show By subscribing to Celtic Stuff Live on iTunes and Stitcher, don't forget, give us a rating and a review. Your feedback is extremely important to us. And a reminder, today's show brought to you by ZipRecruiter.com. They have a great deal for all of you listeners, but most importantly, you would be supporting our show and the entire network. Big thanks for the whole loyal audience of CLNS Media, making it all worthwhile. And for my and for staff writer Samuel Elias, executive producer Larry H. Russell, the founder of CLNS Radio, Nick Chelso, and my co-host John Duke. I'm Justin Poolin. Thank you for listening to this week's edition of Celtic Stuff Live.
1: Celtic Stuff Live.